Hi friends, welcome to the Universal Sisterhood podcast. We're hoping to create a place where women can delve deeper, lift their gaze higher, live freer, laugh louder, smile brighter, and be the authentic woman she was designed to be. Every human heart has been created to be known, loved, and understood. So this is the place where women can share their stories. Welcome to episode 81. In today's episode, I chat with Kerry Christopher. She runs a business, Clarity Life Consulting, and we talk about all sorts of things from toxic productivity to overbecome, overcoming perfectionism and being able to make good life choices. I'm sure you're going to take something from what she has to say and apply it to your life. She, um, she has some real pearls of wisdom. So if this podcast blesses you or encourages you or even inspires you, consider sharing it with a friend so that they can either be inspired, encouraged, and feel that they are not alone. Have a lovely week. Welcome to the podcast, Kerry. Before we jump into the conversation, I would love for you to describe what your look, life looks like right now and um, who you are and where you're from. Yeah, thank you. I'm Kerry Christopher. I'm originally from the US, but I live outside of London now because my husband is British. And in August, I'll be going on six years in this country. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got babies in heaven uh, waiting for us. And um, my days right now, I'm working from home, which I love. I've got a little cat that keeps me company sometimes. Um, and it also gives me the freedom to visit friends in our community. We moved to this area of London specifically because there was a strong uh, Catholic community. There's a great parish here and the families here and singles here, we make a point of really trying to support each other uh, in our lives and what we're doing and just get together and have a good time. So um, I have the freedom and flexibility to do that, which is a real joy for me. I was, I, the other day on yesterday, I had an impromptu lunch with some girlfriends and gosh, did that bring me life. It is so important to have that female, you know, faith-filled female friendships. Um, It's it's so important. Like they just, it was so life-giving. So I I can understand why you would move somewhere with a really good community because we we were never meant to be alone, were we? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So you have Clarity Life Consulting. Could you explain what that is? Yeah. Clarity Life Consulting is the business that I run. I've got a blog, I've got resources, um, and I do one-to-one with people. And the reason I started doing this is because I was a professor at a university and I was also have done youth retreats my whole life. And I began to see that as much as people maybe had some struggles academically, their real struggles were with their lives. What were they doing with their lives? Why had they chosen that course of study? Had they really thought it through? Were they happy? Um, You know, what were they going to do when they graduated? You know, these kind of deep life questions. And also, I know a lot of women who became moms quite early in life, and they had littles and were feeling like, oh my gosh, am I ever going to do anything other than change diapers and fill sippy cups like ever again? (laughs) You know, we call um, them nappies over here. Nappies, that's right. Sorry. Are they nappies in England or are they they're diapers? Are, they're nappies in England as well. I need to get my vocab right. Um, <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so I just was seeing, like, I was just seeing this trend. And then even in my own life, um, especially all the years I spent single, I was 32 before I got married. 
which again, coming from America, that felt quite late. I think in Europe, it's probably not as late, but um, anyway, it felt late to me <laughs> about that. Yeah. Uh, and so, and there was just this sense of like, what am I doing with my life? You know, people keep telling me to pray about it, but it's not getting me very far. And I began to realize, um, I think through a lot of painful lessons personally, and then also walking with others, that actually there are some real clear practical things that we can do um, mm. in our lives, <clears throat> excuse me, and in prayer. In other words, um, I wanted to help people be able to live with purpose and peace, to live intentionally, to have clarity. Now, none of that is like certainty. I'm not here to help people get a voice from the clouds, which is what we all want. <laughs> mm. But I feel like there are, especially women, a lot of women walking around with a lot of guilt. And it's guilt like, I don't feed my kids organic chicken eggs from the backyard and I'm not a minimalist and I haven't listened to the latest podcast or watched the latest series and I don't cook all organic and I don't buy only ethically traded clothing and 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 like these are all good things but they just pile up and they mm. get in the way of us really figuring out okay Lord what are you asking of me right now mm. in the season I'm in so I really just wanted to help people figure that out and that's why I started life consulting. And the reason I don't call it coaching is that in, in some aspects of coaching, there can be like a new agey kind of thing where you just manifest what you want, you know, and the Lord isn't really part of it. Or um, there can be an aggressive nature to it. Like you wake up at 6am and you work really hard and you can make a million dollars. And like, I'm not going to help you make a million. I mean, if that's what the Lord wants for you, like, you know, but like, you know, it's not, it's not sort of what I want to do. Um, so I just wanted to help people learn to discern their lives and just make those peaceful decisions to say yes and no to the things the Lord was inviting them to say yes and no to, and then mm -hmm. to be free and confident in those yeses and in those no's. Yeah. Wow. That's so important, that freedom to, to be able to freely do what the Lord wants of you, not feel like you've, you know, someone's got a gun to your head or you're doing this because out of fear that, you know, I remember this woman probably and and did come from a very good place, but um, I was told quite distinctly I was never going to be happy if I didn't do what, you know, she was suggesting what I should be doing. And in, in my head I couldn't reconcile. Like I'm thinking I'm going to be miserable for the rest of my life because I actually can't do that. That is not, I don't think that's what God wants of me. So I resound myself to be miserable for my whole life. And I'm not. <laughs> I'm so <laughs> glad you're not. <laughs> but the fr being able to choose freely, I think, is is paramount to um, not not only happiness, but but to really live out your your truest identity as a daughter of God. Amen. I think, especially in certain circles, um, there are a lot of us, and I'll put myself in this category because I have been there and still struggle with it. There are a lot of us who are desperate to do the right thing and to do the thing that God wants. And in that is a really beautiful desire. But also, I think that is um, sometimes abdicating our responsibility in that mm. the Lord has made us creatures who have intellect and free will, right? That makes us different than the animals around us, which means that he's given us the ability 
to choose the good, which means that he wants us to act like humans who can choose the good and not like robots who are waiting for him to just sort of put the right program into us, you know? So I think there is a beautiful disposition to be open to his will, but sometimes I think we haven't seen that maybe there's also a fear in us, like, ooh, if I make this choice, then I have to take ownership of that. You know, like, I'm not just fated to do this because God made me do it. No, actually, I've, I've made a choice. Mm. Um, and, then, and then the freedom to say, and you know what, if I make a mistake, he still loves me. Like, it's okay to make a mistake. Mm. You know, it's okay to, he is with us no matter what path we're on, right? He is with us. He doesn't leave us alone. And I think the fear is like, okay, if I do the wrong thing, God will hate me or I'll hate myself or I'll hate mm. you. Like, like this woman told you, you'll never be happy. Mm. And actually he only ever promises to be with us. He doesn't say like, hey, you're going to have the best life ever. Or like, you're always going to get me speaking from the clouds to tell you what to do. He just says, I'll be with you mm. as you muddle through, so to speak. Yeah, and, and uh, John 10, 10, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. Yeah. Like he wants us to have an abundant life. Um, and he, we will have that if we remain with him, regardless of the, of the sidestepping we do. You know, we all make mistakes and we all make bad choices, but he, he will never leave you. He leads to the abundant life. Exactly. It's, and I think it's, this is the other thing that I think sometimes people get this like fixed mindset idea where it's like, God has one thing for me to do. And if I don't do the thing and I don't figure it out, then I'm going to be, as you were told, miserable. And it's mm. like, no, that is not, that's not how God works. Divine mm. providence and discernment is an interactive process, right? Mm. This is, this is me acting and the Lord talking to me and the Lord guiding me and me taking a step and him holding my hand as I take that step. It's really interactive. And again, I think sometimes we approach it like, I will ask, I will wait for the answer, I will do the thing. And there's no um, there's no sense of I'm in a relationship with Jesus. I was about to say it's relational. It's a real, it's a real relationship. And that is given take, you know. Yes. It's it's a real relationship with all the you know, everything that comes with that. Exactly. And there's a dialogue, like a life yeah. dialogue that we're in. Yeah. Um, I was giving a talk on discernment once and someone in the audience fed back and I thought this was so brilliant. He said, you know, it's kind of like going on a road trip with Jesus, which we do a lot in America because, you know, and I'm sure in Australia too, it's big. Australia is very um, big. <laughs> yeah. Big road trip. So he said, look, sometimes you're at the wheel. Sometimes Jesus is at the wheel. Sometimes he's going to tell you like, take this road because that one's not a safe one. And sometimes he's going to say, hey, Pick the road you want because we know the final destination, right? We all want to get to heaven. And so as long as that road is pointing in that direction, like he's he's with us in this trip. And sometimes he's going to have a lot to say. And sometimes we're going to sit in silence together and enjoy the scenery. And mm -hmm. like, that's okay. And I think this is the other thing with discernment. People are like, well, I asked and God didn't say anything. And you think, but okay, maybe he wants to just sit with you. And people don't know what to do. We don't think about that. Like, maybe he just wants to listen. You know, maybe there isn't anything to say actually right now. Oh, man. Not only is that okay, it is beautiful. Yeah. Oh, it makes me tear up. Like, I've, I've been reading this book, um, St. Mary Magdalene, Prophetess of Eucharistic Love. Have you heard of it? 
No, I haven't. Uh, Father Sean Davidson. It is so beautiful. I've just been sitting. I, I'm a crier. Okay. Um, but I sit there and weep because sometimes, you know, Mary Magdalene, she didn't say too much. Um, she was, and, and sometimes there are, you don't need any words, you know, like, you know, so he, sometimes he just wants us to sit there at his feet exactly. and that is enough. And that is that, that is more than enough, actually. Um, it's life changing. And I think, you know, people who have been married a long time, like they often just sit in silence together and they mm. don't need to talk and it's okay. Like it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I think sometimes young people look at that and they think, oh, I don't, I don't ever want to be in that place where we don't have anything to say to one another. And obviously mm. it could be a negative place, but it's often actually a really positive space because mm. the connection is deeper than words. Mm. And I think that is what the Lord wants with us, right? He's the lover of our souls. That is the kind of connection he wants to have with us. And if we give him that space to just sit in silence with him, that can grow in us. Mm-hmm. When deep calls to deep, I think that was, um, mm. I remember, I distinctly remember, I think we were newly married, so 23 years ago, and we were in, we were at a restaurant and we were chap, 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 you know, talking the whole time. And I looked over at a table and there was an older couple, probably the age I'm at now, <laughs> mid-40s hurtling towards 50 and they weren't talking and they were just sitting there you know looking at what was going on and I had I thought oh my gosh I never want to be there I I don't want to run out of things to talk about but that doesn't you know it, as you said it could be a negative place but it's come that there you don't need words you know there is an understanding there's a connection there's a relationship and that's the same with God we don't always need words um sometimes I just go and sit in front of him and just sit there I don't have anything I just want to be in his presence I think that is that is that is Emmanuel that is God with us that is you know Jesus from the gospel of John who pitches his tent the word who comes down and Mm. what does he do he spends 30 years just quietly being with us you know Mm. like most of his life is not doing stuff that we have records of you know and and preaching that's important but a lot of his life is just being with being with Mary and Joseph being in Nazareth being with humanity Mm. Mm. how beautiful um I I, want to go back to um this idea so I, I just ran a retreat for women and I had many women come up to me subsequently and during the day and emails and things that they feel um, so alone, um, so exhausted because we kind of went through that COVID period where um, the world was locked in, locked down. Everyone returned home, you know, we, we stayed with our family and there was that real like, oh, wow, this is what I want. This is so much better than that mad running around rush. Um, And there was kind of like this, I'm going to change my life now. I'm going to spend more time with my family. I'm going to work from home a few days a week. And, but fast forward to now, what are we, June, 2022, and we are busier and faster than ever. And so many women, every time I, how I, I am exhausted. I'm tired. I'm, you know, I, I haven't been this tired. Have you noticed in, in, in England 
after coming back out of lockdown, we are now more fast paced, busier. We have more to do than we did beforehand. Like we didn't learn anything from those <laughs> I think, years I think... we spent locked down. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but in Australia, we were locked down many times. Yeah, yeah, we <laughs> had like a couple of years. Yeah, stretched at a time. time. We, um, so Do you find yeah, women are exhausted? Yeah, I think there's a mix of like, I really loved that and I would like to have that again. But also I feel this need to like make up for lost time or something. And so like, and, and again, it's kind of understandable in that if you haven't seen your friends in a year, you know, you want to really see them again and kind of catch up with their lives. But some of it is just like, oh, well, now, now we have to do the thing because the thing is available. And mm -hmm. this is where I think the real challenge is, is um, to bring intentionality to our lives. Because I think we often live as though we don't have control over our time. Um, sometimes we live like we don't have control over our money, but generally we have a sense of like, okay, I have to be careful how I spend my money, you know, but we don't think that about our time and our energy and our emotional energy, that these are things that are spent and things that we do not have an endless amount of. Mm. And it's like when there's an outside force saying this is what should be done or asking us to make cupcakes for the volunteer thing and, you know, do this thing at church and, you know, like make sure we shop at that store and not this store, which is farther, blah, 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 all the things. They make demands on us. And as women, I think often, not always, but many of us want to people please. Like we want to, and, and some of it's good. We want people to be happy. We want to help the charity. Mm -hmm. We want to do, you know, good for our communities. We want to serve our families and our friends, but like, there's no sense that actually I can't do everything all at the same time. I have a limited uh, set of resources in my person. Mm. And just because someone asks me to do something doesn't mean I have to do it. So we live in reactive mode instead of in proactive mode. Mm. So we haven't taken the time. I think a lot of us haven't taken the time to discern proactively. What is the Lord asking me in my life right now? And once I know that, then I can say yes to this thing that's been asked of me and no to that thing that's been asked of me without guilt. Because mm. the problem with living in reactive mode that we're so busy, we're like, oh, they asked this, we have to do this, we have to do that, is that we, we haven't made a set of, we haven't discerned a set of criteria of why we would say yes or no to anything. And so these things just come at us and we feel like we have to do them because that's that's sort of the world's standard of what we do, right? If someone asks me to do it, I do it. If it's a good thing, I say yes. Um, it, you know, I haven't seen this person in two years, so I have to go to this thing that they're hosting, you know, or I haven't been in the office, so I have to go in five days a week or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. We feel guilty if we say mm -hmm. no because we don't, we haven't established why we would say yes or no. So it's almost like the default is yes all the time. I heard something the other day or I read something. I don't know where it was, but it said if you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. Absolutely. So, I mean, I, at first I thought, oh, hang on, but aren't we meant to give our fiat? But that is that is very different to always saying yes to, you know, someone because something because you're trying to please everybody um, because 
you're saying no to maybe your family, to maybe your health, to maybe your mental health. You know, there's you've got to look at that. Um, so how do we discern? Like, how do we know what to say yes to and what to say no to? So I've written about this on my blog if you want to read more. But I think the first step is to just do an inventory. So I, I use the analogy of like your, your budget, right? Your money budget, your financial budget. If you're like getting, if you're just new to this, the first thing you're going to do is just write down all the things you spend your expenses on for a month, right? All you're going to do is track it without judgment. You're just going to take stock, take inventory, yeah. so to speak. Like how many of us do that with our time? You know, sit down and write down all the demands on your time in a day, in a week, in a month and figure out how much emotional energy they take. Because for some people, like an introvert going to a massive event is going to actually cost you a lot in a way it wouldn't cost you a lot if you were an extrovert, for example, right? Mm -hmm. But we don't think about um, the resources that are in us, right, that the Lord has given us as things to be stewarded the way we do tend to think about our finances that way. So I think mm -hmm. the first step is really to sit down and take stock, like what's on my plate? or my many plates that I'm trying to keep spinning, right? All at the same time. And which of those are, are absolutely necessary, right? So if you're married, you have kids, maybe you're caring for a family member that needs care. You know, there are things that we have said yes to sort of uh, existentially, right? To being married, so to speak, or raising children that you, you can't just not do, okay? Yeah. So there are things that are definite yeses. And then there are things that are optional yeses that sometimes we don't think are optional. A friend of mine was telling me how she feels really um, overwhelmed because she's the kind of person that people just pour out their hearts to all the time and like they're always texting her. And I said, well, you know, you could just like tell people that you're not available on text, like for a certain portion of the day or the evening, or you could just get rid of WhatsApp, you know? And she was like, I, I don't know if I could do, I don't know if I could do that. And I said, well, you can, <laughs> you know, you are, it's possible. I, I think that's me here. <laughs> um, like you can set boundaries around that. And I know culturally it isn't normal, maybe in the sense of everybody's available, but do you want to be available all the time in that way to all the people? Which means mm -hmm. that, that like you said before, right? That's a no to the people that you're physically present with in your home or at your mm -hmm. workplace or wherever. So I think it's that first step of like take stock and then figure out what's optional and then start bringing those to the Lord in prayer. Okay. Mm -hmm. What's draining me, Lord? Why is it draining me? You know, is this something that is really serving the mission that I have right now? Have I discerned the mission for this season of my life? Right. Maybe you're raising littles and there's just a lot of nappy changes and that's your mission. And that's great. Like that is beautiful. You know, maybe you're an empty nester and all of a sudden you've got time you know, and you just think, okay, I, I'm ready for a new venture. You know, what, what can that be? So discerning the season you're in, taking stock there, and then bringing that to prayer. And I think doing some really, like I said, practical exercises, like have you written it all down? Have you seen it on a piece of paper? Because sometimes that is enough to make people stop and think this mm. is too much to expect of anyone, let alone me. <laughs> like, mm. I don't have the energy for this. You know, have you talked with your people, you know, people who can help you hear the voice of the Lord in your heart, um, your spouse, your children, if they're, you know, a bit older, like, have you, have you taken inventory as a family, you mm -hmm. know, for actually, 
we we want more Friday night game nights like we were having. Those were really fun. And we don't have to go to a sporting event every Friday. We could just stay home and watch a movie or play games or what you know whatever it is. Like what do we want to do as a family? So I think praying about it but also being practical about it and praying practically because this I think is a challenge isn't it at least for me in my life it was always like pray about it and you're like okay so I did now what you know but praying practically I think means what's that yeah so I think it means bringing it very specifically to the Lord and then and then testing it you know okay Lord I I really would like to let's say, give up this particular thing I'm doing on Thursday nights. You know, it's just my family's really, I've taken stock with my family and I realize I'm really tired from it. My family is like not getting the best of me. And it means we have a really awful weekend because I don't have time to get myself in order for the weekend to enjoy with my family. So this Thursday night thing, I just don't love it anymore. But Lord, you know, it's in your hands. You can open and close doors, but I'm, I'm going to close this door, you know, for now. And we're going to see what happens together. You know, I'm going to pray about this and I'm going to approach the people that it involves. Right. And then I'm going to listen to what he has to say, which is hard if the number one voice you're used to listening to is your own guilt, guilt nagger, <laughs> the guilt nagger in our souls. Right. Saying the shoulds, I call them the shoulds where you should do this. You should do that. And they're just constantly whispering at us um, to try really hard to set those aside right? Spend some quiet time. Okay, Lord, I'm here with you. And then to see what happens, you know, do that for a month. Oh my gosh, our weekends are amazing. When I'm at Sunday mass, I have the energy to pray. Or when I'm at Saturday Bible study, I'm actually present and engaging with the text. And I take my kids on a bike ride and my husband and I have date night and all these things are just like, or maybe I just get to like stare at the wall in silence for an hour and do nothing, you know, like it's amazing. Or you know, you may find, actually, I really missed the thing I was doing. Like that has left a hole and it's made me more grumpy. It's, it's had a negative effect in my life in some way, shape or form. Well, okay, maybe put it back or maybe put it back in a different way. So I think Mm. practical prayer and then testing. And then that we talked about um, discernment being that relational thing. Well, God isn't just with us when we pray. He's with us when we say yes and no and when we're doing the other things so he's with us when we're having the date night or going on the bike ride or staring at the wall quietly he's with us in those things and that is part of discernment and practical prayer as well it's not just when I sit and say my prayers and then I go do the thing and that thing is separate Mm. Mm. that's so good and lots of things were going through my my mind then (laughs) because I'm not working as much as I was and I just have now more time. To, I, I'm more patient with my children because I'm not madly going from one thing to the other. And it's taken me a long time to still think, I actually have half an hour where I could actually sit down and read a book if I wanted to. And it's there's that guilt, like I should, I could be in the laundry. Like, should I really be doing this? And I think, yes, I should be sitting down with a book. Like today... We have had so much rain and it was sunny and I thought I could actually take my book for 15 minutes and sit outside and read it and I kind of had, you know, do it for half an hour and I thought, really, half an hour? (laughs) I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Why didn't you do it? 
But why didn't you do it? What was it in you? Because I kept thinking, I've got other, I, I should, you know, I should be getting the laundry out. I should make the kids a cake this afternoon when they come home. I should, but I still had time to do that after. I should have gone out there. I should have gone and sat in the sun for half an hour with my book. So I find one of the best things we can do is change I should to I choose. Mm. So like I want to, or I choose, or I want to choose to do the laundry right now, or I choose to bake the cake, or I choose to sit with the book. Because again, the shoulds aren't really coming from anyone else but you right now. I mean, in, in these sense, like obviously if your children were starving or didn't have clothing, yeah. there's a certain yeah. moral no. should, right? You have to feed your kids. <laughs> but like, do they need a home-baked cake? That's, that's, no. that's up to you. You know no. what I mean? If you they want don't. to, great. <laughs> but like, again, that is, that's a discernment for your family if that's kind of normal for you to do or not, right? So I think- no, We had a lot of bananas going, uh, you know, on the <laughs> turn. So I thought yeah. I should make a cake with those. <laughs> yeah. <we're> <laughs> well, again, and it's a choice, isn't it? That something is going to give, right? I choose making, using up the old bananas versus sitting in the garden. And that's that's something for you to have a chat with the Lord about maybe like, hey Lord, what did you think about my choice? You know, I'll try, I'll no, try to make your recommendation next time. I think he wanted me to read a book. <laughs> <laughs> because that's like, that's the ultimate, you know, all those years of all my littles and working and I would always think I would just like half an hour to read a book by myself uninterrupted and I could have done it he offered it to me and I didn't do it (laughs) this is this is good discernment though isn't it it's reflecting on the choice you made and this is this is the interactive part right it was like okay now I'm going to reflect on this choice that I made so then I can see whether or not I would make a different choice next time and again he's he's with us like he loves you you know he he loves you whether you read it all, you know, he's, he's with us in this, but it's, that's the nice part about just this interactive process is, okay, now I reflect on that. And then this may be a time to think, okay, what are my priorities around my kids coming home from school or the household chores? Um, I know a lot of women, I guess men, because monks do this, um, making a rule of life, having a general rhythm, um, where it's sort of like, okay, you know, the Benedictines are aura at labora, so they work and pray. And they have certain hours where that's what they do. And they also have dedicated recreation, which I think lots of people don't, uh, which I recommend strongly. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, again, that, that can be a helpful thing for someone like you who's like, well, I've got more time now. You know, I'm not sort of stretched to the max. Like maybe maybe the Lord is inviting you to make half an hour of reading by yourself with a book like part of every day mm. I mean imagine imagine that <laughs> <laughs> I think I think part of it is that guilt that mum guilt like I should be doing something um I should be more productive um mm-hmm. I'm used to it not that I like it but I'm I can do it I'm quite capable why am I sitting here with a book <laughs> Yeah, can we talk about productivity for a minute here? Because mm-hmm. I think you have just voiced what 
so many women feel, which is I should be more productive. And if I have spare time, it should be dedicated to productivity. Mm. And this because we're defined by that. Yes, exactly. Like my how my day went is based on how many ticks on my checklist of the things I got done. And Mm. this I call toxic productivity. Mm. I think it is actually toxic to everybody. Um, but especially for the Christian who knows how the Lord has made us, we are part of the natural universe. We are not part of the factory universe, but Mm. our lives are run on factory universe and sort of office standards, but our lives should be, and I don't mean this in like a woo kind of way, but our lives should be in tune with nature. Like there are whole seasons where those trees don't look like they're producing anything. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there are really busy seasons, harvest season, you know, these things come to flower and that's great. And it's time. And then it goes to rest again. And we do not live like this. We live Mm -hmm. like machines where it's 24 hours. If you, if your battery runs out, you just get a new battery. You have another cup of coffee. (laughs) That's what you do. You just put more energy in instead of actually that is not healthy. That is not Mm -hmm. a healthy way for any of us to live. But the culture tells us that that is what we are made for. And what our value comes, where our value comes from. Um, And I think about all the parables, like Jesus is always referring to the natural universe in all of his parables, you know, and it's like, maybe we should pay attention to being like the mustard seed, you know, or being like the fig tree. And there's a lot, there's a lot that I think we could learn from letting go of this kind of factory mentality. And I'm not saying it's bad to get things done. Look, we all have stuff to do and it's good to get them done. And yeah. But when we start rooting our identity and our significance in that and turning away from the rest that he invites us to regularly, um, like especially, you know, weekly, like that Sabbath rest, you mm-hmm. know, or the, the tradition of a yearly retreat or something like that. When we turn away from that, when our productivity stops us from, I mean, heaven is rest. Heaven is the final, we talk about final rest, right? So like we're mm-hmm. participating in heaven when we rest like we're it's like our culture has made us afraid of that and it's actually a really anti-christian sentiment in that sense you know like Mm. i think as christians we claim it back you Mm. know someday is the lord say i'm gonna rest and i am not gonna be a machine because that's not who he made me to be he made me to be a human and humans sleep and they need times and seasons where they don't produce and it's okay in fact it helps me to flourish even better yeah right i mean we talk about like here there's a big trend with farming to kind of go back to more like wilding i don't know if it's happening yes. as well yeah, yeah. but the idea is like we have farmed the soil so hard that there are no nutrients left mm. and we just need to let it go fallow go back to kind of a wild way mm. and i think about that for ourselves like have we have we farmed the soil of our lives so uh, excessively that there are no nutrients left in us is that why we are just worn to the bone mm. and is he inviting us to actually let the field of our life lie fallow you know for a time and what does yeah. that rest look like for each of us wow okay yes he is <laughs> he is <laughs> i i had to do a um do you know blessed is she yes yeah, so last weekend I had to do a story takeover of my Sabbath. So, and I thought, 
for the whole I, I knew a few weeks beforehand and I'm thinking oh my goodness how am I going to live up like all these women have these perfect Sabbaths I'm thinking mine is so far from perfect this is going to be a nightmare they're going to they're going to like probably text me in the morning and say nah that was not like we're not putting that up <laughs> but I thought I, I took it to the Lord and I said I don't know like this is going to be I come I'm like <laughs> this is going to be really humiliating because I don't have a very good Sabbath. And he said, you know, it's not perfect. And he said quite gently, but nobody's is. You know, you you just have to put me first. And, and I do put him first. Like before it was very like Sundays used to be the busiest day of my week because I was, you know, getting six kids to mass, um, putting on a lunch, we used to entertain all the time, having to get ready for work, get ready for school. In Australia, they wear school uniforms. So it was like ironing all the uniforms and and it was chaotic. Like it was it was from, and sport, my husband and I, we'd always go swimming or running or whatever. And it was exhausting. And I kind of realized this can't continue. <laughs> like this is not healthy. Like how I'm not recharged for the week. There isn't like I'm already exhausted before Monday hits. Um, and it it kind of gave me a real like, actually, I have to stop and reassess my Sabbath because it is not rest. Anyway, so I have put things in place um, and have had for a few years. But I was telling them last Sunday that this is going to be an imperfect, perfect Sunday. So hold on for the ride. <laughs> It's beautiful um, though, because like none of he what the Lord said is true. Like none of us are perfect, and the challenge of social media is to convey the reality and not, you know, the the just the little squares that have a bit more perfection in them. That like if I turn the screen around right now, you would see an absolute disaster of a kitchen. <laughs> and and that was actually a deliberate choice on my part, and something I would have felt guilty about in the past. But yeah. um, I was telling you earlier, it's been a busy week. I've seen people that I love and yeah. I haven't had the energy to also be kind to my husband in the evenings, having done all these things, if I also clean the kitchen. And yeah. so it, it was a, a really deliberate choice on my part to say, mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to let that slide for a few mm -hmm. days until I get my energy back. And is it ideal? No, but like, thankfully, um, the people in my life understand and the Lord loves me whether or not I'm a messy kitchen. Yeah. Is it necessary? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I've had to let go of a lot too. I'm a recovering perfectionist myself <laughs> and having to, I think I used, the excuse was that I function better when it's clean. <laughs> when, yeah, when the, when it's clean, I can function and when it's messy, I can't. But that's to an extent. I think maybe I have to let things go and it's okay that they're not, everything's not put away. I, I remember hearing myself walking in through the front door, barking orders at my kids from, you know, the moment we step in the door. And I thought, well, actually, that's not a very nice way to live. His poor kids. They have me barking orders from the moment we walk in because I heard one of my kids doing it to the children and she was just copying me. Mm. <laughs> children are very good that way that they mirror yes. our, our bad habits. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I'm a, how, how does a recovering perfectionist um, 
where do they start? Oh, I am with you on this because I am a recovering perfectionist <laughs> big time. And I have written about this on the blog because I think for me, so you, you know, you talk about the excuse of like, I function better when it's clean. I do too. And I have used that in the past. My, my excuse was also that it's important to, to strive for excellence in all that we do. You know, that's a very um, good thing. And it is, but I, I wasn't using it properly. I was, I was using it as an excuse to, um, yeah, be unkind to others or judgmental of their less than excellent work, maybe, or even that attitude towards myself. If mm-hmm. I made a mistake, there was like an existential problem that I made a mistake. Like, like I'm not human like everyone else, right? It was just pride. Um, yeah. And so, again, I think there's some really practical things. There's a lot of heart work with the Lord that he does with us. So just giving him that space, right? Um, There's nothing like that. But there are practical things too, um, really practical things. So one for me is having to, we talked about toxic productivity, so I don't mean it in that regard, but having to produce a lot means that you don't have time to be a perfectionist. So I was in journalism for a little while and like, you just have to get the story out you do not have time to like meditate over whether this word and this comma placement is exactly perfect. And as a writer who really, really loves perfection, that's hard, but it's actually really good. Cause it's like, you know what? There's a pride in that. Like everyone will read my story and will remember it for the ages. No, they, they don't, (laughs) like they don't. You're just not that important, you know? And it's important to do good work, but like at the end of the day, your work is not Michelangelo or you know it's okay to just do the thing and get it done you know so for me doing a lot of the thing is actually really helpful in terms of perfectionism and also to have a space where mistakes are normal and just fine so again for writing like having a journal where it's just not perfect you know sometimes it's not even a complete sentence and sometimes the handwriting is illegible but it's a space where you can get it all out and it's safe and you can make a mistake and it's okay. Right. And then for me, I think a healing grace has been um, the friendship I have with my husband, who's just given me permission to not be perfect. So I think Mm -hmm. anyone who's blessed with a friendship with someone who isn't a perfectionist to let them influence you, let Mm -hmm. them show you that you're loved, even though, you name the thing that you feel is not perfect. Your house is not a mess. Your art is not, you know, the highest masterpiece of all. Because I think, I don't know about for you, but for me, there's a lot of pride in my perfectionism, right? Mm. Everyone's looking at me. This thing has to be the best of the best of the best. And it's like, well, no, um, perfection ultimately means being done all the way through. That's the Latin root. So something's done all the way through and then you let it go. And it's sort of like, okay, ultimately heaven is the place where things are done all the way through, right? And mm-hmm. I can let things go. But again, it's that participation in heaven. Like, okay, have I have I trusted that this is done enough, right? I've, I've written this thing I can send out into the world, you know, or I've recorded this podcast and I can send it out into the world whether or not there are a few, you know, calls yeah. in it or whatever. Mm, yeah. Actually, you're right. This has actually helped me because they're none of them are perfect they're always you know they're full of life you know I say the wrong thing or you know that a child comes in or I can't edit properly and having to just send it out 
Like initially it was like, oh my gosh, this is not, this is so, you know, below par. And it cost me blood. But now it's just like I just click it and off it goes and I, I don't care. <laughs> what will be will be. The Holy Spirit will, you know, they will hear things in there differently to how I said it and that's up to him to help them interpret it. He will fix all the mistakes. Exactly. Um, so that has helped me. Maybe this is my recovery. <laughs> this is my therapy. <laughs> well, we're in it together. It's like a group therapy for recovering perfectionists. We should start a support group. <laughs> yep. One thing I want to say, though, is um, um, I, a lot of young mums, maybe not young mums anymore, mothers, uh, especially Catholic mothers, we feel quite judged, like just... Are you there? I'm here, yeah. Um, just because being open to life is very difficult. Like it, it's very, um, it's hard today. It was harder 20 years ago, but today it is so hard because you're just, you know, the, the vitriol that comes your way is quite aggressive. Um, and I know for me, I always wanted to show people that, um, it was a good thing to have lots of children. It's okay, and I can I can cope. I can do all this, um, and I think now today it's even harder to um, have lots of children. But that that to to be seen as being perfect and not perfect, but you know, got it all together. What advice would you give to young mums who have lots of littles and feel that pressure to be perfect, whether it's in the pew? or it's at the shops, because um, that is really hard, because I can see where they're coming from, because I had it too. Like you want people to see that it is a good thing to have lots of children, and I haven't lost my mind, and I'm not, you know, I, I'm not a screw loose. <laughs> like we're, we're trying to promote this beautiful thing of family and children, but we're also trying to be perfect. Do you have any advice there? Yeah, I think it's so, so hard. Um, I think it's even harder in social media. It's not just when you're at the store now, but just in general. And I think it's hard feeling like you, you're maybe the only poster child that you know, you know, and you feel like you are the poster child for openness to life. That's a lot of pressure. And I don't think it's one that is from the Lord in the sense that your first duty is to your children. Your first mm -hmm. duty is not to everybody else. Like, mm -hmm. obviously we are Christian witnesses in the world, but your mm -hmm. first, um, the first people you need to think about are your kids, like your marriage and your children. Mm -hmm. And when you are in that zone, I think what happens is you're not thinking about what your kids are experiencing from you. You're thinking about what everyone else is thinking about you. And mm -hmm. it's easy for me to say, cause I'm not the one lugging six kids to the grocery store who are having meltdowns, but it, it doesn't matter like in in between you and the lord between you and heaven like this is about you raising your kids first and foremost and what are those children getting from you and are you um correcting them because they need to be corrected or are you correcting them because the lady's giving you a side eye in the cereal aisle right mm -hmm. like what what's going on there in your heart and where mm -hmm. where is your heart like which direction is it facing is it facing this beautiful gift and i know again 
it's easy to talk about, but when they're melting down at five o'clock, it's, it doesn't always feel like a beautiful gift, but you know, is your heart facing them first? Because I think what that is where the witness comes from. Then someone watching sees, okay, like I'm, I'm here for this child. I'm not perfect at handling their tantrum. You know, I might just give in and give them the candy bar or I might not. And they might leave screaming, you know, whatever. But the person is a witness to your presence to that child, which is the first thing that's asked of you. And then you're, you're sort of, it's a secondary witness to people who are watching. Mm -hmm. So I think your goal is to bring that child to heaven, you know, to, to guide that child in a way that they have a relationship with the Lord. And when they're little, that comes in all sorts of ways. Um, but to, for someone to witness you doing that, that's the ultimate witness. It's not that you have it all together and you're wearing the latest clothes and your hair has been dyed the perfect color and all your kids have matching shoes because that's hard when there are so many of them and so many shoes, right? Um, it's that, listen, I love these people and I'm giving my life for these people in, in a really loving way. I think that's the true witness. And you're not gonna you're gonna lose it sometimes you're gonna just yell right and like you're gonna have to drag someone out like that is just that's the nature of raising tiny people who do not have rationality until a certain age you know I mean they haven't activated that capacity in themselves so like the Lord knows that and if you are placing again it's where where my significance where my identity where my self-worth is coming from when mm -hmm. I examine my conscience at the end of the day Am I examining what other people thought of me or am I examining my presence to my children? Like that's, that's what he's asking of me and the other people they can see and they're going to, it's like you said, it's like, they're going to hear what they hear kind of regardless of what you say, if they have a certain disposition, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think the ongoing, just positive witness of presence to the child, helping that child become a fully functioning human being who can have a conversation, you know, and also who just loves the Lord. Oh, that's beautiful. I wish I heard that 23 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so true. It's like, we will be a witness anyway, if we witness Christ to our children. Mm -hmm. Yeah, how beautiful. Thank you for that. <laughs> Is there anything else you would like to say to women on a, not on a practice? Have you noticed that there has been a real increase in anxiety for, from women to be perfect? Yes. And if so, is there any advice you would like to give them? Yeah, it's, it's really uh, easy advice for me to give and hard to follow, but I would say get off your phone. Get off your mm. phone. It is like, it's not even like, correlation anymore you know it's like we're at the causation point where we know this causes anxiety we know mm -hmm. it is stressful to uh, live in a way that you're present to everyone and actually not present to anyone in front of you that you we know these devices and the apps have been designed to act like slot machines and to give us that little hit to make us feel good that you know someone gave us a heart or a thumbs up or whatever it is and like, I grew up without that. I'm sure you did. And I look at young women now and I think, oh my gosh, like it was hard navigating then, let alone now. And I've, I've read that of older moms as well, who said, you know, yeah, they did feel a bit lonely when they were raising their small kids, but actually there was so much less pressure 
because there wasn't Pinterest, there wasn't Instagram. And I think, again, that taking stock, like, is this serving the mission the Lord has given me at this season of my life? And most of the women I know don't really need it the way they feel. We all, we all get addicted. I'm, I've got my phone right here. Like I'm, I'm raising my hand too, but. Mine's over here. It keeps flashing at me. I keep looking, distractedly looking over there. Exactly. And it causes, we know it causes anxiety. We know it causes us not to be present to the world that we're physically in. And like the physical world is what God made. So that's his gift to us. He is present to us through creation. He is present to us through other people. We can hear him when we're quiet. And our phones usually stop us from all of those things. Mm. So I think it's a really, um, and again, I'm raising my hand because like I had set all these boundaries a couple months ago and they're all gone now and I have to reset them. But to really be intentional about that, like what is this serving? You know, and I think it can, right? In some ways, like you can feel less alone when you see another mom's having a hard day and that's okay. But like, do you have anyone physically near you that you could also just call on the phone and have a chat with or go over and you both have tea while your kids melt down in a different room? Like that is possible. <laughs> yeah. I know you're in England now because you said tea, not coffee. Tea, yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think just being really intentional about that, because that is probably the number one cause um, yeah. of anxiety for women. Because think about it, if you didn't have any other voices coming at you from your phone or Instagram or Facebook or Pinterest or whatever the latest thing is, if you had none of those voices coming at you, telling you what you quote unquote should be doing, mm. imagine a world where that didn't exist for you. What would you hear? Like, who would be influencing you? You know, again, it's this sense of like, I make a choice of who influences me every day. You know, if I'm constantly reading, raising my hand guilty, constantly reading design blogs and then looking at my living room, like, okay. Mm, you know, there's a point where it crosses over from fun ideas to comparison. And that might depend on the day. It might, yeah, exactly. It might depend on my hormones. It might depend on all sorts of things, but being aware of that. And it's like, Ladies, have the courage to do it. Mm. Have the courage to be intentional about whose voice you let influence you. Have the courage to be countercultural and not be connected all the time. Have the courage to set boundaries around who can make demands on you. And have the courage to get personal with people in your actual life. Because it takes yeah. courage to just approach a mom on the playground and say, hey, can we, do you want to hang out? Do you want to be my friend? Um, that's a lot harder than just following someone on Instagram all the time and feeling like you know them when you don't. Mm. So it takes courage and like, ladies, it is possible is what I want to say. Like you can have the courage to do it. You really can. Courage and vulnerability, I think, because women, they're not, they're showing a false self. They're not being truly vulnerable and we need to make real connections. We need that vulnerability and courage. So, yes. I think it's impossible to be fully present to someone via a connection. Yeah. I'm sorry, a digital connection of any kind. Yeah. Like, you know, we do our best, but it's we are incarnational creatures. That is how God made us. And so we the more we can tap into that, and I'm not saying it's bad to have connections around the world. I think it's great. There are people I know who I wouldn't know otherwise, and it's amazing. But it can't ever replace 
that incarnational aspect to being human that we need. We need friendships in real life. We need people that we're really, truly, physically, spiritually present to in the moment. Yeah. As I said at the beginning, we were never meant to be alone. Exactly. We're wired for connection, real connection, not not (laughs) internet connection. Yes. (laughs) Well, I would love to one day connect with you yes (laughs) one day I might come to London and you might come to Australia (laughs) yes god willing it has been a such a delight to speak with you Kerry I've loved every word that's come out of your mouth Um, I'll go now and write down how I spend my time (laughs) where I need to say no Um, so thank you for those beautiful words Um, Before I finish my podcast, I always ask my guests something that brought them joy this week. So I was wondering if you could think of anything that has brought you joy this week. Yeah, I have a lot of joy this week from um, a ladies group that I started last month. So for several years in this work, you know, I, I just do my own work and I felt a little bit alone and missing colleagues. And it finally dawned on me that a lot of the friends I have who are young moms, we all have projects or, you know, businesses um, that we're working on and we're all alone. And so I just said to them, I just said, ladies, do you just want to meet monthly for like a project group and a business mastermind where we just share what we're doing and encourage each other and have a bit of accountability? And everybody said, yes. And so this is the second month we did it. And um, it's just been so life-giving. Uh, It's helped us be more productive in the areas we want to be more productive and we're encouraging each other to also take rest time and days off. And um, so it just, it brought me so much joy. How beautiful. Well, I had, I had a similar experience. A friend had, she's, I never go out for lunch ever, ever, ever. And she said, oh, do you want to come out for lunch? I'm going out with this woman. And and I thought, you know what? I'm going, I'm going to go out for lunch. And my husband rang while we were out and he said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm doing what you do most days of the week. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm actually really enjoying it. (laughs) Um, So that that was actually, I have a joy, I have a song. But when you said that, I thought, actually, that was my joy. It was so fun. It was so beautiful. It was so life-giving. So, yeah, real connections with good, faithful female friendships is, I, I cannot encourage it enough. It is, it's life-giving and it's so restorative and encouraging and inspiring and, you know, you can cry with them, you can laugh, you know, vent, whatever it is, um, and pray with each other. It's it's so beautiful. So, yeah, that was my joy too and a song. I have two joys. Um, it's called Preference by Rachel Morley and, It's been on repeat in my ears for days. It's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. I encourage. I'll put it in the show notes. So before we go, could you tell us where we can find you? Yes, I have a website called claritylifeconsulting.com. And I've also got an email list. Um, People who sign up for my email list, I can send them a free workshop on journaling for discernment. So a lot of the things we talked about in terms of practical prayer and learning to listen, um, I've recorded um, a workshop for those who might find that helpful, they can just sign up to the email list on the website, which is claritylifeconsulting.com. Wonderful. All right. Well, it's late here, but early where you are. 
So I want you to go and enjoy your day. Thank you so much for um, joining us on the podcast. It's been an absolute gift. So thanks, Kerry. Thank